within the Christian faith, there has been an explosion of interest in prayer in the uh, different continents of the world, in Asia, in South America, Latin America, and now people, Christ followers in our nation are desiring to deepen their personal prayer life. We have to be reminded that the first call that we have is to be with our Father, our good, good Father. And he desires to draw us close and to share who he is and to let us know that we are loved, we are accepted, and that he is for us. And as he draws us near, we begin to encounter him begins to share with us his heart, his thoughts, his plans. And we find that we begin to live at a different level in life. And we begin to see through prayer, our secret place of prayer, we become more spiritual. It is in that place that we find ourselves moving from our own self-centeredness from our own self-reliance to becoming more reliant on the Lord to do miracles in our lives. I'd like you to pull out, if you would, our text for today is in Romans chapter 8, and if you're here, just say yes. yes. Romans chapter 8. And we'll begin reading with verse number 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts <clears throat> knows <clears throat> what the mind of the Spirit, <clears throat> because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. <clears throat> Praise God. Verse 28, read it together. <clears throat> and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who are according to his purpose. Now we have in this passage, the Apostle Paul is writing to the believers in Rome. It is a very difficult situation. They are suffering, there's hardship, incredible persecution. And in verse number 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy, not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Things are not looking very good. In some ways, it is like us here this morning. We all have these incredible challenges, complex situations, 
And we do not know how we're going to solve our problems. It may be that you're thinking about uh, dating someone. You're not sure. Should I make the move? Should I uh, somehow make a decision here concerning two job offers that I have? Or maybe you're in the middle of a marriage breakup and you're wondering, what am I going to do now? Things are not looking good. Or maybe your kids are driving you crazy and you're trying to think, which one should I ship out to my mother-in-law? <laughs> Apostle Paul here gives us this incredible encouragement and he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This Greek word helps is an interesting word because it actually refers to a, a picture of a person who's carrying a heavy load and they're just about to collapse under the pressure. And then when everything looks hopeless, someone comes and now helps them carry the load. And here, specifically, he relates that to prayer, that we may not know how to pray, we not, may not be that effective in prayer, but he says here that the Holy Spirit helps us in our praying and that the Holy Spirit is the one that is joins with us and makes our weak prayers effective. So now we are on point, we are at another level, and we have more confidence that we will know how to pray more effectively, that we will move from feeling that we're weak and spiritually inept to now we hold up our head and we come to prayer knowing I'm not praying by myself. I'm not praying through my circumstances based on my education. I'm not accomplishing things because I'm good at it. But we have an intercessor. And he says here that the Holy Spirit is our intercessor. And the Holy Spirit helps us. And the Bible says here that there are even these groans or sighs in the Spirit inside of us and Jack Hayford says that it's not that it's silent, but we're not able to put into words. And we begin to enter into a realm of crushing things that would take us out because our battle is not in the normal, natural uh, people realm. It's, these things are unseen. There is an unseen world. Evil is on the rampage. And evil would like to take every one of us out, destroy us, so that the purpose of, of God would not be accomplished in our lives, but we have the opportunity to enter in and begin to pray effectively, and that we are beginning to take authority over everything that takes us out, because the Holy Spirit is our intercessor. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor. 
It's interesting that the Bible says in Hebrews 7.25 that Jesus is interceding in heaven for us. But now the Holy Spirit is interceding in our hearts so that when we are in distress, when we are having anxiety, trying to push through, we are reminded of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 5, where the Bible says, while he was on earth, he offered up prayers and pleadings with loud cries and tears. And the Bible says that the Father heard him because he had reverence for him. We do not wrestle against people. But the Bible says that we are fighting against rulers. We're fighting against authorities. We're fighting against cosmic powers over this present darkness. We are fighting against these spiritual forces in heavenly places. But we are up for the cause. And we are victorious. And we can pray effectively. Now we all need people to pray for us. We need people to intercede for us. This diagram that we have been looking at the last few meetings, uh, Dick Eastman wrote this book on the hour that changes the world. And in there, he's helping us get more structure to our prayer. And in there, he talks about intercession. For decades, he has been praying for 200 people every single day and believing for miracles in their lives. Interceding. We all need people around us who will pray for us. And the Holy Spirit helps us so we can help other people. You recall last weekend that uh, Vicki was here with Women's uh, Choices, Women's Clinic, and that the mission of that ministry is to see that children are not discarded in abortion, but the mother decides to choose life. We have been supporting and partnering with that cause for many, many years as a church family. Last week, as the meeting was going on, one of our services, there was a young girl who was here who was sitting, uh, Morales Rivera, and as she was sitting, she was trying to put together this person, Vicki, from Choices. And all of a sudden, she had a flashback that that was the clinic she went to two years before. She was so moved that after the service, she went back and met Vicki, and she told her the story. She said, I found myself pregnant in March of 2016, I decided I would have an abortion, and I came into this clinic. They gave me a sonogram, and she said there was a 
a wonderful woman there that started to, to pray for me and, and to speak scriptures over me and to comfort me. And she said, as literally as she was praying over me, my mind, my thoughts changed and I decided to have life. And she said to Vicky in the lobby, and Vicky, my son, Armani, is almost two, and he's over in the nursery over here today. She said something profound. She said, every baby, whether planned or not, is purposed and called. Stand up. She's right here. Congratulations. Without intercession of another person, that never even would have happened. Here the Bible says that God is searching our hearts, and he's searching our hearts in verse 27. He's searching all of our hearts continually, our good, good Father. He's not searching to wipe us out. He's not searching to condemn us. He's not searching to discourage us, but he's constantly in prayer. He's searching because he wants our hearts to be like his heart. And the Bible here says that the Holy Spirit's mind is in concert with God the Father. And the ultimate purpose of everything is that the will of God the Father will be done. And that's what our mission is. In prayer, we are pursuing in this situation, as Morales did, in this situation, not what do I feel, not what somebody said, not what I would like to think, but what does God think? What is his will in this situation? And as the Holy Spirit, the helper, is there, he helps us to be able to get in such a mode of going with the will of God. His will and his plan is the best. His plan for your life and my life is always superior to our best idea, our best thought, and God wants to take us into this place we've never been before. Now we have to bring prayer back to our homes. Thank you, that's very encouraging. We have to bring prayer back to our homes. We have to bring prayer back to our marriages. Last Monday morning, the pastors, we were hanging out in the study upstairs, 
pretty early in the morning. We had a big day on Sunday, of course. And we were kind of just having fun and actually didn't have a plan, which is unusual. And so I happened to say, um, what is one thing you're doing to help your marriage? And one pastor said, well, I'm learning to listen to my wife. That's always very good for a pastor. And I'm doing, doing better. And all the pastors had a few words to add. And I happened to say, well, I'm, I'm really trying to be consistent at night to pray with Judith before we go to sleep. Now, as I was sitting there, I was thinking about this incredible book that I had been reading called Prayer, and it's about uh, having, it's called Experiencing All in Intimacy with God. And the author is Tim Keller, who is the pastor of the uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. He's a great, great scholar and a great man of God. And in that book, he said, some years ago, my wife had Crohn's disease, and I was diagnosed with cancer of the thyroid. And one day, his wife came to him, Kathy, and said to him, I would like you to pray with me every night. And then she gave an illustration where she said, what if you went to the doctor and he had diagnosed you with a terminal illness and said, if you will take this pill and take it every night, you will live. She said, would that person fail to do that if they would die in a couple hours? And then... She said to him this very important statement. She said, well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we're facing. We cannot allow prayer to slip from our minds. And he said, Tim said, that was 12 years ago. And he said, if I'm in another hemisphere, wherever I am, I'm going to pray. If it's just by the phone, I'm going to pray. What if we started a massive movement of prayer that literally shook us and shook our families, where we go from duty and discipline to delight? Wouldn't it be something if we're a part of something brand new of intercession and praying for those around us and we have a structured prayer life and we're praying effectively and actually make a decision to gather our kids around every day or our family or on the college campus or school, wherever we are, and pray? Now, it's interesting this Last verse here says, and we know. Say that with me, verse 28. And we know. Do that one more time. No, just, just, just and we know. Don't, don't take off here, okay? Just those three words. And we know. Do it again. And we know. 
now, if you have been a Christ follower for more than three weeks, you know that verse. And, but it begins with the word and, which we have school teachers here, is a conjunction, means it's tied in to that which precedes. This is a part of praying that when you pray, I'm sure he anticipated some complexities in things where they wouldn't go our way, or maybe it wouldn't work out just as we thought. I prayed prayers that were not answered. Some of them, I'm really glad. So anybody here, you prayed something and God didn't answer, you say, oh my God, I'm glad I didn't marry that girl. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a mystery in prayer. We can't fully understand it, but also he is doing more things than we can imagine. For example, this week I was at the gym and I'm always praying, especially in summer, for no rain. And I got to, I got to the pool and I said, this is great, sun's out, praise God, I'm in the will of God. And I got in, I'm praying, I, I mean, I'm swimming and I'm praying and I'm really feeling good. And then the lifeguard hit me with something and said, get out. Lightning has arrived. And I actually had a happy spirit. I kind of surprised myself. So I got out. And it's amazing that as I went over to the Whirlpool, the plunge, my one that I mentioned last week was right there. And that had I been swimming, I wouldn't have had 20 minutes with him where we had some pretty interesting, viable conversations about the Lord. So, of course, a lot of things happen in the plunge when it's 48 degrees. You get saved and get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and pray for Jesus to come soon. Kind of funny, I get in the text and I say, please, Judy, please pray for me that the Lord will come quickly, please. So it's interesting what we have planned is not, not always what God has planned. And we have to pray with this scripture in mind. And we know, say that, and we know. Do it one more time. And we know. And what he says here, and we know that in all things... Our mess, our failures, our discrepancies, in all things, God works. He works for his purpose according to his will and what he wants to accomplish in his purpose. He has so many amazing things that he wants to do in our lives, and we have to keep our faith strong and not always question, why didn't that happen? I don't understand what happened over here. We have to commit these things to the Lord. We wait in prayer and faith, and we believe, and we put the rest in the hands of God, that God will take care of us and do great things. On this diagram, the last thing is that we also have petitions. We have the right to ask the Lord. To ask him to do the impossible things for us. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, it says, keep on asking 
and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, that the effective fervent prayer, read it with me, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Say it loudly. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Say it again. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What it means that when we begin to pray, and we are praying fervently, we are praying with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we have the intercessor that is interceding through us with sighs and groans, and we begin to crush every gate of hell, we begin to come against everything that tries to wipe out our families, we decide that we will not be passive. We will not allow the enemy to push us around like a ship in sea where the storm is there pushing the ship around. We are not to be shoved around or pushed around by the evil powers of the enemy. We have the name of Jesus. We have the prayer of this, uh, be able to come against these things in the name of Jesus, that we are conquerors. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 18, Verse 14 is anything too hard for God. Is anything too hard for God? How many times have we have, as followers of Christ, have stood up against things that said, you're not going to do this. There is no way you're going to get through. But we take our stand and we say to ourselves, I will not be defeated. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And after a while, the Holy Spirit begins to come and the Holy Spirit begins to move and we begin to rise up from weakness to strength, from indecisiveness to direction and we begin to stop being self-reliant. The sign of not praying is a sign of being self-reliant. When I don't pray, it says, I think I know what I'm doing. But when I pray and I get down in the morning and you get down in the morning, what it is saying is I don't have the answers and I'm so busy, I have to pray. So the busier you are, the more you know you have to pray because you can't call the right decisions unless you pray. And when you pray, you begin to see <coughs> what God is doing and your ways are directed in his path and you begin to do his will and that's when the blessing comes on you. We always say to everyone, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. Well, yeah, but if I don't partnership with the Lord and begin to do what he wants me to do and I'm making wrong decisions, I certainly can't live in the blessing. I get off the blessing highway and when I do that, I open the door for the enemy to come in and his language is one of lies and deceptions. And if you're not careful, you'll listen to the lie and the deception. And it is because, and, and then listen to it and do it. But most of it goes back to the fact we didn't have time to pray. That's like, well, I'm so busy. I don't, I don't have time to fill up my car with gasoline. Really? Praise God. You'll be calling AAA. Praise God. You find... Are you here this morning? Yes. We have to ask. You have to ask for the impossible. The Bible says, 
and we know in all situations, God's working. And he's gonna work things out. And I felt like the Lord gave this word and he said this, know that I am working on your behalf. Your past mistakes and failures do not determine your future. My grace I extend to you. My grace is more powerful than your failures. Humble yourselves before me. I'll restore your marriage. I'll restore your health. I will restore what the enemy has stolen. I don't know. I, when I come out here now at a whole different level, I'm expecting miracles to happen right in this room. Right now. In fact, we're going to trumpet these stories. We're going to put them on our website. And they are the most encouraging witnesses of God's goodness. And send me your story of what God has done. And let's begin to glorify the one who is working miracles in our lives. Let's not call it luck. Let's not talk, say circumstances. This is a God move. This is a God thing. And then we need to tell everyone how great he is, that he answers prayer, and he moves mightily in our lives. I got this note this week from Sheena. She says, I'm a young lady, I'm married. She said, when I was young, the doctor told me You'll never have children. She said, as I got older, nothing changed. I had operations, and it was clear I could not have a baby. And she said, one Sunday, God used you to say a prayer reaching out to all the future mothers in the world who are unable or who were told they'll never be able to get pregnant. She said, Alex, I was one of those ladies you were praying for. With the prayers of the congregation, family, and friends, I want to thank you so much for your prayers because in the month of February 2019, I will be bringing in a new child. I'll have a child. I don't know whether Sheena is here. Sheena, are you here in this service? Maybe another service. But we... Uh... God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And I want to say to you, radical world changers in this section up here, the mixed people, students... You got a call, you got a call of God on your life. And I commend you for your stand for what is right, that you don't have to have self-acceptance by doing what everybody else is doing, that you are a trailblazer and you are, you are students of prayer, 
And everyone in this room, we declare a movement, a prayer. We are too busy not to pray. And we have to pray because we don't know what we're doing. And we don't know what the answer is. And we don't know what God's will is. And if we're going so fast that we don't have time to pray, we're going to make logical decisions. We're going to make decisions that look good on the surface. We're going to be influenced by secular people to make a decision. And it might feel right. And we're not making decisions that feel right. We're making decisions that are spiritually correct because we're not doing it according to the church. We're not going according to what people think. We're going according to the will of God. And we have the helper, the Holy Spirit, who is interceding for us. We have Jesus in heaven interceding. And he says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. You say, I'm desperate this morning. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. You're going to get out of it in Jesus' name. In a minute, we're going to stand. No one leave for a moment. And we're going to kind of like take authority over the evil one and take a stand in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This song came to me this morning, the great I am. He's our good, good father. Hallelujah. There's nothing that he can't do. He is amazing. He is the one we love. Hallelujah. We're going to hit it here. No one leave for a second. Hallelujah. Let's do it. Come on out here a little bit. Hallelujah. Come on, sing together.
In our first service, I felt very succinctly that we should all, at the end of the service here, uh, take communion. In many places, it's called the Holy Eucharist. And that we would do it individually, and that when we do it, we do it with great expectation. And we hold up the bread and we say, the body of Christ. Body of Christ was given to us, and we have rights and privileges for our sins to be forgiven, guilt to be gone, condemnation to be released, and also for the healing of our bodies. I see into the future that we're going to have miracles all over the building as two or three people huddle together. We take the bread. And then we take the cup and we hold it up. And we say, this is the new covenant in his blood. Hard for us in the worst Western world to understand that it was his blood that crushes the enemy's power. And what we're doing every time we hold up that cup, we're saying, Satan, you were defeated. You are defeated in my life. The blood of Jesus on the cross that was shed crushed your power. Now back off in Jesus' name. Back off in the name of Jesus. In every intrusion of the enemy, after the first service, there was someone here in the back came to me. I want to take my life today. I want to take my life. Where do those thoughts come from? From the enemy. There's somebody in this room here you don't want to live. But I can tell you the blood of Jesus is against that thought in the name of Jesus. So let's... We have stations in the balcony over here, over here. Let's just not quickly take the bread and the cup. Let's take it and say, yes, the body of Christ and usher serve also our worship leaders here. We hold that up and we say, yes, the blood of Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation 12.10, it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. So I want us just all over the building, uh, just take your place right here. There are two, if you would move over a little bit in the center, yes. So let's. We're going to sing this song about the blood of Jesus, that the enemy is defeated. Hallelujah. Believe for miracles as you take the communion.
like us in just a moment to sing this song that's so beautiful, Here I Am to Worship. Let's present ourselves this afternoon to the Lord. Let's make him the focus of our lives. Sometimes we raise our hand, not out of form, but because it's an expression of our hearts, we say, yes, Jesus, I worship you. I don't worship what I do. I don't worship people. I worship you. And we make a declaration this morning, here I am to worship you that he is the center of our lives and that means everything hallelujah let's worship him together here I am to worship never end our service without giving friends an opportunity to open their hearts to Christ and to realize that no matter how bad we've been, no matter how many mistakes, that we can come to Christ. And the Bible says he doesn't condemn us, he welcomes us. And he invites us to experience something we can't even describe called grace, mercy, and love.
We have a cross in our sanctuary to remind us that Christ is the center of our church. That Christ died so we could be forgiven. Not only forgiven, but made righteous. To be healed, to have a new start. Just a moment, I want to give those that are here an opportunity to step out and say, this is my day. I want to be forgiven. And I can tell you, if you'll come, he's ready to give you a new life. In a minute, I'm going to count to three. At the end of that time, you just throw up your hand, say, yeah, I'm going to do that. You can get out of the darkness by one decision of saying yes to Jesus. One hand lifted up saying, Lord, I need you. Do it today. You can have a new life. One, two, three. Put your hand up wherever you are. Put it up. Yes, yes. Put it up. Put it up right now. Put it up. Put it up. Put it up. Put it up wherever you are. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask all of those that raised your hand to walk down this aisle and stand right here. Just stand right here. You raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand. You're away from Christ. Come, come, come. From the balcony, come all the way down. Come right now, wherever you are. Come right now. Come, come to Christ. Come right now. You know, there's such a presence of the Lord here to come to Christ. And you know when you're being moved in your heart that you're going to get out of evil and you're going to come to Jesus. These, these are brave people here making that decision. I feel there are several others that need to come, some couples. You need to take the hand of your boyfriend, girlfriend, just say, we're, we're going to see Jesus. We want to have a brand new life. They're still coming. You come right now. Come right now. We're not here to think about how bad you've been. Our focus is on how good Jesus is. We're not to put sin. We will repent of our sins, but our faith is in Christ. And when we open our hearts, he will change us. He doesn't, religion brings behavior modification. Jesus starts with our hearts and he cleans us up and then we begin to follow Jesus and that's when we change. There's a church leader that is in this meeting. 
at what time you were a great person of God. You got on the wrong trail. And the enemy has talked to you, you're never getting back. Don't believe the lie. And I hope you'll look at Jesus and not your past. And I break, that, I break those lies over your mind and life in the name of Jesus. There are five people in here. You, are, you know about God. You're away from the Lord. And you feel bad. Well, you come down here right now. You'll feel good. You'll feel good. Who are you? Who are you? Get out of your chair and come in the name of Jesus from the balcony. It's a person in the balcony, way back there. You need to give your life to Christ in Jesus' name. So we're going to pray. Pastor Dave is here, who is over our new followers of Christ ministry. In a minute, you'll go to the side. He'll give you some materials. Let's open our hearts. Let's pray this prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to pray it out loud. We have many people from various nations that are watching our meetings here. And whatever language you're in, Jesus speaks your language. So we're going to pray this prayer. And everyone pray it loudly. And especially that church leader that has turn from Christ. Say it loudly. Jesus, Jesus, I put my faith in you you. that you took my sin on the cross. I I confess and believe believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. dead. He's alive. alive. I turn from my sin. I I repent of my sin. I I abandon my life life to follow Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace, the gift of righteousness, eternal life. You prayed that prayer from your heart. You're in the family. You're in the family. Go with Pastor Dave.